0: Jesus, thank you that you are here, thank you that you love us, thank you that you're for us, thank you that you are building your church, that you are pressing forward with your mission. Sometimes we feel very tired, we feel inexperienced, we feel inadequate, we feel like we don't have what it takes, and yet you keep using us anyways, and it's it's by your power and your body, your, your people, your church, that you are using to build the church, and uh so thankful for that. So Spirit of God, would you overwhelm us? Would you overtake us? Would you help us to see clearly who Jesus is and what he has done? And we love you and need you. Amen. All right, so start out with a question. What are Jesus's expectations for you as an individual in his church? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. What are Jesus' expectations, not my expectations, not another pastor, not a ministry leader, not some book you read, but what are Jesus' expectations for you in his church? Over the course of the next three weeks we're going to be looking at gifts Uh, That Jesus has given to his church Uh, in a couple weeks. We'll look at love gifts of love. We'll look at prophetic gifts But this week we're gonna focus in on some diverse gifts that Jesus has given to his church Now we're gonna look at it through the book of 1st Corinthians It's a letter from a guy named Paul to a church in the city of Corinth Corinth was a city very much like Montreal urban hip trendy thinking that it's more than it actually is uh, right and very uh, sexualized like trying to be at the forefront of everything uh secularized but yet with lots of different gods uh, this is Corinth, and this is Montreal. And so they had written back and forth, Paul and the church had written back and forth to each other. And so what we're going to see in this passage, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Evan read 11 verses, we're going to deal with all 31. We won't get to read all of them, but you can read that later on your own. Uh, Paul is responding to some of their writings about, and questions about spiritual gifts. Now this was a church that loved the gifts of the spirit, and you're like gifts of the spirit. What are those, and which spirit? We're gonna get to that. But they love the gifts of the spirit almost too much. They're trying to outdo one another in gifts of the spirit. Someone would would sing a song, and they're like, "Well, that was pretty good. Sit down, let me sing, right?" And it was com- constant competition of who could do. More And so Paul actually has to bring order to how they participate and use the spiritual gifts in chapter 14, which we'll get to in several weeks. But let me start with the first three verses uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 which Evan has read for us already, but I'll read again. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So what Paul quickly does is he he makes these three statements. There's no spiritual gifts without the spirit. No spiritual gifts without the spirit. Then there's no spirit without being a part of the body of Christ. Which means that you are part of the church. So no gifts without the spirit. No spirit without being in the body. And you don't belong to the body if you're, you don't claim that Jesus is Lord. And I don't mean that you just say, yeah, 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 okay, Jesus is Lord, fine. I want to be in on the body. It's that your heart submits now it's difficult at times right but that our heart submits to him as the one in charge he's our king he's our prime minister he's the one in charge of his church you don't get the spiritual gifts without claiming and living as if Jesus is actually the one in charge Several years ago, my wife and I and my oldest son, we became Canadian citizens, right? Cost a lot of money to become a Canadian citizen. Our other three kids were just born, and we're like, you're blessed dual citizens now. But when we became citizens, they said something like, do you swear allegiance to the queen? Because that was queen at the time. I'm like, like, for real? Like, is this a thing? They're like, yeah, yeah, do you? I'm like... I guess, yeah, sure. I, I don't know what happens if I say no. Do I lose all my money? And they're like, just, just say it. It's just a formality. I'm like, oh, okay. But it's not that way in the church. It's not a formality that Jesus is Lord. We actually align our lives behind him as if he knows best. We allow him to change things about us as if he understands what's most beneficial to be changed in our lives. He's the one in charge. And we become part of this body Because we submit to him. Paul says so much in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, speaking to all of them, collectively together. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You didn't get to be a part of the body of Christ because you decided one day that was a good spiritual decision. You didn't get to be part of the body of Christ because you made some New Year's resolutions that I'm going to somehow forcefully make my way into the body. You were allowed to become part of the body of Christ because Jesus gave up his body for you. That's why we get to be a part of the body of Christ. Jesus went after us, laid down his life so that we could be brought into his life. And he changes our heart to actually want him more than anything else In the world, sometimes we talk about revival as a church, and revival begins when our heart says, I want you, Jesus, more than I want anything else in this world. That's when revival starts to break out in our hearts, and people get awakened to the gospel that we want him. So we start out this passage with a question, are are you actually part of the body? Are you a part of of the body of, of Christ? Or are you a spectator? Now, Jordan welcomed people this morning, rightfully so. If you're with us and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you are so welcomed here. I am so glad that you are spectating. I am so glad that you are in our midst. I'm so glad you're watching. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that maybe you're even willing to let Jesus upend your life and give you true and eternal life. But that's spectating. Are you a spectator? If you don't want to be a spectator and you want to follow him, you can do that right now. Like, he will bring you into his body. But I don't think that's the most dangerous place you can be. I think the more dangerous place you can be is when you act like an accessory. Accessories are things we wear. Garmin watch. This Garmin watch is not me. I can take it off. I can put it on. uh, I can run races with it. I can swim with it. I can go to sleep with it. But it is not me. It is not part of my being. And it's really easy to be inside of the church as an accessory thinking that we're actually part of the body. It's dangerous. Jesus says in in Matthew 25 that there are going to be some that come to me in the end and say, but Jesus, we we did miracles in your name. Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You weren't part of my body. You were an accessory. You were a Klingon. You were holding on. You liked all the benefits, but you weren't willing to submit your heart to me. If you're an accessory here today, let today be the last day that you are. You're invited in to be an indispensable part of the body of Christ that he will never discard. One day this thing will stop working and I will throw it away. If it's in the middle of a race, I might throw it on the pavement as hard as I can. right? But I'm going to get rid of it. But Christ is never going to get rid of his body. If you're an accessory, he's going to say to you one day, depart from me. I never knew you. Don't remain in that state. Say, Jesus, I want you with all my heart. Jesus, I need you. I need you. So we start being part of the body by submitting to him as in charge. The second piece to this is once we're a part of the body... We're a follower of him, and each follower is a member of his body. Let me read First Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of his body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Each follower is a member of his body. So this is a global truth. There's a global church. Everyone who submits to King Jesus is part of this global church. But how are you going to encourage someone in Malaysia today? How are you going to share coffee with someone in England? It's going to be really hard. But you can do that with one another today. So a global truth that Christ has one body, yes, it's global. But it has local application for Corinth and here in Montreal. And this is something interesting that we do, right? We bring all our congregations together a few times a year. But normally we meet in groups of between 40 and 120 to 150 people regularly. And we get to know people there. And it feels, maybe it feels overwhelming to you here. But this is, our, this is our church. It has local application. Each follower is a member of his body. This isn't a social media following. This isn't a thing like, yeah, Jesus and his uh, ex, formerly known as Twitter. It's amazing that they renamed it, but we keep having to refer to it as formerly Twitter. But it's not a social media following. It's not that he has interesting content, or he's an interesting teacher, or he's a neat philosopher, or maybe he said some cute things, or look what Jesus did. He flipped over a table. I want to I follow him and see what he's going to do next. It's a following of submission, it's a following where we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves as a finger laying on the ground and are brought into a body, something much bigger. And this idea of being a follower of Jesus is not like social media or an influencer. It's more like an apprentice. I don't know if your job required you to be an apprentice, but an apprentice usually has a period of time where they're learning intellectual information or technical information. But then they actually have to work with someone else to learn how to do this stuff. That's the type of apprenticeship that Jesus calls us to. He doesn't call us to be disciples who learn a bunch of information about him and we walk around with big, fat theological heads like bobbleheads everywhere. Rather, we put into action the things that we know about him. We apprentice with him. We join with him as his body. Paul says in verse 13, you are baptized into one body. Body, you were brought into this, and a baptism means all of you, not just part of you, that all of you are in submission to Him. In verse 18, it says, As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. You aren't an accidental body part, you're not a body part that is like, Well, do I really need my appendix? You're not the appendix of the church. Christ isn't debating, should I keep you or not? He arranged the church as he desired for his glory and for his benefit and our enjoyment of him. He's in charge of the organization. It's not an accident that you live in Montreal in 2024 and you're part of the Verdun congregation or West Island or South Shore or downtown. That's that's not an accident. God has arranged his body parts to be in such a way that he desires to work. We didn't choose each other, did we? You can look around the room and say, I definitely didn't choose them. Right? And we're smart enough probably that we don't say that stuff out loud anymore. But we didn't choose each other. He did. Also, we aren't in charge, He is. Just because you're on a stage doesn't mean you're in charge. He's the one in charge of his church. And he says that as you become part of the body, you're going to experience immense joy with one another and immense pain with one another. How many times has your body hurt you? Right? Over the past couple weeks. How many times have your feet stumbled on the ice and your upper body is paying for it? Our bodies hurt themselves quite often and never have I looked at my foot and I'm like you do that one more time I'm cutting you off done done my wife and I moved sheetrock yesterday into a house super fun date night date night ideas move sheetrock and plywood it's incredible on little icy hills right but constantly our feet are doing what we don't want them to do this is the church the church is going to bump into things all the time of like, why did we do that? Or why do we do it this way? Why do you think that way? Why? You're going to ask why a lot if you're part of the church. Get used to that, right? Because we're different. But the church, has been, we've been given to one another so we can work through these things together, not on our own. Other parts in the church are going to suffer because of your broken parts, you're going to bring a level of brokenness into the church that's going to cause other people pain. Other people are going to bring their broken parts into the church and they're going to cause you pain. But the opposite is true as well. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I've said this many times in in preaching, so you've probably heard this ad nauseum and I'm not apologizing for it. But in the West, we treat the church like a commodity that we can take and, and leave what we want. It's kind of like an a la carte, like I like this, I don't like this, I'll choose to be a part of this, I'll choose to show up, I won't show up, I won't do this, I'll do this, I'll give to this, I won't give to this, right? It's like all, it's like walking through a mall. And then if we don't like the way that, you know, I didn't like the graphic like that, I preferred the number two, I didn't like the number three in the left-hand corner, I don't know, I might leave the church over this, right? Right. Rarely do people leave churches over big, significant things. It's usually little, tiny things. It's not something that we're even supposed to be unified about. There are things that, man, we can disagree about and still be part of the same church. But we don't give it enough time to heal. We just move on to someplace better. And if you find the church that is 100% amazing, 100% awesome, you've joined a cult and you're the leader. Right? Right? Because there is no church that exists like that until we're around the throne of Jesus where there is no more guilt, no more shame, no more sin, no more suffering, no more rebellion, no more I'm better than you, no more competing with one another. That's all gone. But until we arrive then, we're going to bump into brokenness all the time. And God says, I put it there on purpose so that healing can happen. I put it there on purpose so you can bear with one another. Learn to encourage one another. Learn to embrace people who are very different than you. Paul says members of the body can't excuse themselves. Listen to verse 14. The body does not consist of one, member but of, of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye... This is how I imagine Paul writing it. Because I'm not an I, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Members don't get to excuse themselves. Well, I'm not like them, so I can't do that thing. Oh, I, I, I'm not as elevated, or I don't have that gifting, or I don't have whatever. We, we amputate ourselves. We remove ourselves from the equation. But members can't excuse themselves like that. Sometimes we, we hide ourselves because of a false humility or self-pity, which is, uh, which is pride. Self-pity is just pride in a different form. We feel sorry for ourselves. Oh, I, I'm no good. I'm, I'm horrible. No one would want me. Christ says, I gave my life for you. I brought you into this body. You can't just excuse yourself. Stop keeping yourself away from the body. The body, I designed the body to actually be dependent on you. Show up. Show up. Members can't excuse themselves. Secondly, members can't dismiss others. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Members of the body can't dismiss others. Why would we want to amputate others in the church? Pride? Clicks? You just don't fit here. You're just not one of us. I would say, man, if, if you're a sinner, if you've messed up, if you've screwed up, if, if, if you need help, you're really part of us. Like, you're welcome here. Members can't dismiss others. That the church is made to be not homogenous, but very different. All nations, all tribes, all languages coming together to show that it's not about one people group or one color or, or one language. It's about King Jesus. Paul goes on to say that all members are indispensable in verse 22 to 25. He writes this. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You're thinking, oh, we could we could lose that person in the church. Paul says, actually, those are the indispensable parts. We need those. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, best- we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There's no amputation, what Paul is saying. There's no amputation in the body of Christ. When we bump into Issues or weaker parts of the body. We don't go into fight or flight mode. We go into care and understanding and compassion mode. We fight not with one another, but we fight for unity and understanding and harmony. Because the the church is a picture to a world who is fighting about language, who is fighting about politics, who is fighting about the size of letters on signs, that's fighting about countries, that's fighting about nationalities and past and land. That's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to do you do you. We're trying to gain that which we don't yet have so that somehow I can die with most toys and, and win. We're constantly in this thing and Jesus says there's another way. There's a way of harmony. There's a way of peace. There's a way of shalom. There's a way of taking people who are radically different from one another. Canadians fans and Maple Leafs fans and bring them as one. That's what the Lord can do. I don't like hockey all that much, so I wanted to talk about football, but I know that that never lands with anyone. <laughs> the body is diverse. I wish you'd embrace my diversity. Body is diverse, verse 17. I had Super Bowl analogies, and I removed them this morning. I'm like, they're not going to get it. I'm just taking it out. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense Of smell the body is diverse we won't always see the same things and that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of it we need the body we need the body work with so many different people inside of our church often who see things very different than I do who think about things in ways I don't think about them and at first I'm like man why aren't they more like me and then in reflection I'm like oh I'm so thankful that that they're here I'm so thankful that they're helping us to think about these things that I wouldn't think about. Because we, we often become very myopic. We have a very tiny view of the world. Because so we can't handle everything. But God has given us a body. That together we bring him glory. We need the body. You don't have everything that you need on your own. This is a, a radical message for a society that lives in extreme individualism all the time. Listen to verse 28. God is appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He's getting to a place where we would say, no. No, we don't all have the same gifts. We're diverse. We were made for dependence. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You're going to get a very small piece of it. You were made to do this in community. You don't have all the gifts. There was one person that had all the gifts, and his name is Jesus. And he has now given his gifts to his body, in part, to work together. So each follower is a member of his body. The next point is each follower is given, hear this, they're given spirit-empowered gifts for the common good. Spirit-empowered gifts, not skills that you learn from a TED Talk, not your degree. These are spirit-empowered gifts, which means that it could be given to a 50-year-old woman or a 7-year-old boy. When the spirit comes upon a person, it radically, he radically changes that person. Revival in Wales, which early 1900s began with a little girl standing up and says, but if not for all others, I will love the Lord with all my heart. And revival broke out in all of Wales. Little girl. The spirit coming on a little girl, using her profession to change a nation significantly. You're given a spirit-empowered gift. Listen to verse 4 to 11. There are varieties of gifts, same spirit. Varieties of service, same Lord. Varieties of activities, the same God who empowered them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. There it is. Why are these things given? For the common good of the body. To one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. Another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by one spirit. Do you see what Paul is doing? He's saying it's the same spirit giving different gifts. It's not like a varsity and a junior varsity spirit that's giving these. Uh, To another by the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. These are spirit empowered gifts to mature us and to expand us for the common good. These aren't skills. These aren't given primarily for your benefit so that you can stand in front of a mirror, speak in tongues, and interpret it. Be like, I feel blessed today. They're not given so that you can work gifts of healing on yourself. Like you hurt your finger and you're like, watch this, Lord, heal this finger. Look at that, it's amazing. That's not why it's, these gifts are given. These gifts are given for the benefit of the body, for the common good. They're also not given to draw attention to the gift. Right? If you, you remember in the book of Acts, different healings were taking place and people weren't saying, wow, look at this, look at the healing. No, keep looking at the healing, look at the healing. It was look at the God who provided this healing. The healing points to something, someone rather, far better And these gifts are not to be withheld from the church. This is what happens when when we don't participate in the life of the church. Is that we're taking the spirit-empowered gifts that have been given to the church and we say, I don't want to play today. I'm taking my ball and going home. We withhold from the church. Rather, these gifts are given to be invested into the strategy of the body, not one member. We collectively get to figure out how do we use all these gifts together. We use them to fight individualism. And so we ask the question, how is a gift best used for us? How is a gift that I have or you have best used for us? Now, you'll notice in in this list, there's a lot of variety, isn't there? Uh, Some people have been given the gifts of wisdom. I'm not going to go into details of what these are today. Gifts of wisdom or gifts of knowledge or the gift of faith. And that's to be differentiated between faith, like trusting in who Jesus is, but it's a spirit-empowered gift of faith to believe that certain things can happen that just seem absolutely ludicrous. Uh, my wife has the gift of faith. Uh, gifts of healing. Gifts of healings. Uh, miracles and prophecy and tongues and interpretation, right? All these things collectively, and this isn't an exhaustive list either. This is a sampling these things together bring us together as the body. The big idea of all of this is that these gifts are given for our benefit. So as we get together as the body, whether it's in a gathering like this, or whether it's in a city group gathering, or whether it's in a gathering of a few of us or some leaders, as we gather together, we show up with our gifts ready to serve. We don't show up ready to be served. I I left my gift at home today. I'm just taking a break. All church gathering, I'm on break mode. No, we bring our gifts. Those gifts don't necessarily need to be worked out between 10 a.m. and 11.30. That might get worked out over over coffee, that someone has a prophetic word for someone else. Or maybe someone is is struggling and someone uh, prays for them to be healed and they get healed, you know, while sipping quasi-okay coffee. Uh, I don't know. But these gifts aren't meant just between the hours that we're gathered together as a church. These gifts are meant to be in movement all the time. What is the need and how can we meet that need as a church? So how do we know what gifts we have? This is a question that comes up often. I I really want to be serving out of my gifting. How do I know uh, what gift I I have? And so we end up taking some... um, you know, these can be helpful. I don't want to diminish them. We've done them before. Um, but we end up taking like a spiritual gift inventory. And it's like, well, 34% of the time I should be using a prophetic gift. And 21% of the time I should be doing administration. And seven, It's like, what? I, the way that we find out our giftings is if we start serving. We start serving. We, we hear of a need and we start meeting those needs. And we actually ask the spirit to give us the gifts necessary as we're moving toward that need. All kinds of times. I know of different people in the church that some of you have prayed for people to be, to be healed. They've gotten healed and you're like, I didn't know that I had that gift and yet the Lord gave me that gift in that moment. We don't move because we're like, I feel so adequate in myself. I'm ready to move toward this thing. We move in weakness and dependence and I don't know how this is going to go. But Jesus, I trust you and I sense you're calling me in this direction. Would you please give me whatever gifts I need for this moment? And he will. And it might not be the way that you thought it was going to go. But it's always precisely the way that he desires for it to go. So how do we know what gifts we have? You start meeting needs and ask the Spirit to give you the gift to meet that need. Secondly, what seems to produce fruit? What seems to produce fruit when, when you do it? And, and what is helpful when you actually do that, that thing? What do people comment on? Hey, when you, you pray for me, that's powerful. i, I Sense the Lord speaking to me in that. Hey, when you spoke to me, that sounded like wisdom that was beyond you. Hey, when you said that thing to me, it's, it's like you knew what I was doing. No one else knew that. What do what people comment on as you're moving through life? That might be the gift that you have. But our gifts aren't always what we love doing. Sometimes we want uh, that Venn diagram to align where everything comes together and we get that little sweet spot in the middle where it's like what I love to do. But oftentimes we're gifted in ways it's like, oh, man, that's going to be a lot of work. Jesus spent all day, numerous times praying for people, talking to them, casting out demons, praying for them to be healed. Have you ever prayed for people all day long? Uh, when I went to India several years ago, uh, I've been there several times, but one of those times I went to this little house, little house church, 35, 40 people, and, um, and they every single person in there asked me to pray for them. Hours and hours and hours. And I'm like, I'm not special, you can ask your pastor to pray for you next week, I'm hungry, and I want to want to go. But it was, I don't know, three, four hours? Exhausting actually engaging with them, trying to understand what they're asking for and saying, and asking the Lord for the wisdom and what to pray, and not just saying like, Lord, bless them, give them food, help them sleep, amen, next, right? But actually engaging with that person. It's a lot of work. This is what often happens with our gifts. And if you begin to depend on yourself for the energy to to minister to others you're going to get exhausted, burnt out, you're not going to want to do it anymore. But there's spirit empowered gifts, which means that the spirit is going to keep giving you energy and ability and desire even to do things when you don't want to, even when it hurts. It's often going to be inconvenient, but it's not about you, is it? It's for the body. It's for the church. Lastly, these gifts are given by the Spirit. I've said this already, but verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Some of these gifts are temporary, but many of the gifts are ongoing and regular uh, gifts. And these gifts aren't received through a course, although you can be equipped in a course for the gift that you have. These courses aren't like you finish the the, the course and then somehow like, The Lord drops a little certificate from the spirit to a pastor's hand and they hand it to you and like throw oil on you and you have the gift. That's not how it works. It's not received through money. In Acts chapter 8 verse 18 to 20, there was a guy named Simon. He used to be a magician. He meets Jesus kind of. We're not completely sure what was going on. And uh, he sees that uh, the apostles are laying hands on people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And he's like, how much money does it take for me to do that? How do I buy my way into that? That seems more powerful than the magic that I was doing on my own. You can't buy your way into this. It's not through maturity that you're given the gifts. Oh, you've been a church attender for 20 years. It's time for your, you know, healing pen or whatever. That's not how it works. It's from the Spirit. They're just given. And here's the thing. If you see on that list or you read in the New Testament about the gifts of the Spirit, you want one of those gifts, ask Him. You don't have to be shy about it. You can just ask him. We have a great God, a benevolent God, a God who loves to give to his children. And if you're saying, God, I want this gift, not so that people will look at me and be like, whoa, your gift is amazing. You're amazing. You're awesome. I can't believe that we ever did this without you. Not for that, but I want this gift because I want to know you more. Jesus, and I want this gift because I want to minister to other people, and I want this gift because I want to help people mature, and I want this gift because I want to be a mission in this way, and I want this gift because I want to give more of my life away so that more people meet you. That's how we ask for gifts. It's not so I have a cool matchbox set that I can, you know, push the button and watch it go around the thing. It's so that I can benefit other people. If you want a gift, you can ask, but why do you want it? Paul actually says you can desire more. He says in verse 31 at the end, earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Pray for more gifts. Pray for more gifts in the church. Pray that God would dump out his gifts on this church so that we can minister more effectively to people. So wrapping this up, as as members of, of Christ's body, we need to take responsibility for our body. As members of Christ's body, we need to take responsibility for our body. This means that we, we know where we're at and we know where we need to grow. We know where we're at and we know where we need to grow. And that's across the board. But it begins with us as individuals. We know where we're at and we know where we need to grow. So one of the things that we started last year as a church um, is we, we did this annual spiritual inventory. We took many days to put this thing together. Um we looked at the, the holistic Christian life and what would, what would be necessary to grow in maturity. Uh, what are the different areas? And we put together this little, this little survey that some of you took last year and some of you have already taken uh, this year. We wanted it to be done inside of city groups primarily so that it could be explained well at, at that level. But the annual spiritual inventory is kind of like an, an intake form. When you go to the doctor and you, you're given this very boring checklist, if you can actually see a doctor, right? Right? If you make it there, right, and you are given a checklist, and you get to fill it out, and it's like, man, I don't, I don't know what my great-grandfather thought about on that Thursday. Like, I have no idea. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can see you unless you give me that information. Like, I don't know. They ask very, very crazy questions on some of these. Um, but it's... For them to better understand me in that second where they're like, oh, okay, family history here, family history here. And you're having chest pain. Like, yes. okay, it doesn't look good. Like, oh, thanks, doc. That's amazing. No, but it helps them get to a place quickly. This is is why we've done this. There's 400-ish people who are part of Church 21. If we were to sit down with 400-ish people and go through like full analysis of everything in your life, it would, there, it would take longer than the time we actually have in a year. And so this form is meant to get us to a place where we can have a good pastoral conversation with you about what's going well and where are areas that you need to grow. It also helps us as a church know how we need to grow. Church. So right away last year after we did this, we saw there was a clear area of deficiency inside of our church whether it be understanding or practice and so we did a very short sermon series on that began to have days where we fasted and prayed and we actually saw that people have begun to grow since last year in that area praise god that's amazing but this annual spiritual inventory is something that we want to keep doing as a church so that we understand where where were we where are we And how do we need to be focusing on the people within the congregation? Um, What what we essentially want to do is we want to help pastor the body toward maturity, toward mission, and toward multiplication. So the process is pretty simple. Um, There's an annual spiritual inventory. I don't know if we have a slide for that or not. Maybe it's going to come up later in the announcements. If that's later, just don't worry about it. Um, But the process is you'll fill it out. It'll take between 10 and 20-ish minutes to do. Don't do that paralysis through analysis like, is it a three or four? I don't know. What's what's Pastor Trenton going to think of me if I put three instead of four? Don't do that, right? Don't do that. Just fill it out. Just fill it out the best you can. It will be a conversation after you do that. So fill it out. Your local uh, pastor will make an appointment with you to, to talk through this stuff. And then uh, we want to equip you in how to grow over the next year. We want to help you understand as well your gifting and how you can serve in the best way possible for the body as it currently stands. One of the things that, that comes up as we talk about spiritual gifts is there are always opportunities to serve, and it seems like not enough people to serve. And sometimes I've had conversations with people, and they say, ah, oh, I can't really meet that need because I don't feel led to that or I don't feel called to that or I don't feel whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, that happens in my family all the time. I don't feel called to feed this child. I don't feel led to go upstairs in the middle of the night and help them with whatever they're working through. But there's a need. And someone has to meet that need. And that's the reality of, of the church, is that sometimes there are things that need to get done that it's like, okay, we're just going to, we just need someone to do this for, this for this period of time. And then someone is going to come along and says, man, I feel like I'm worshiping the Lord in such an immense way when I do that thing. And we quickly give them that. We're like, oh, here, <laughs> you go deal with the kid upstairs. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad. But s- serving means that we oftentimes do what we don't want to do. That's what it means to serve. So the whole idea of annual spiritual inventory is me asking us to like help us shepherd you. Help us shepherd you. We don't want any parts hiding. Right? The enemy, we have a very real active enemy who loves to corner people, speak lies to them, remove them from the body. And tell them how special they are and how they don't need the body and then how horrible they are for not being part of the body. Right? That's what he does. We don't want parts hiding inside of the church. We need to know the parts to help them function individually and together. So my my call is be open. Be open to whoever the Lord wants to use you. Be open to however the Lord wants to use you to reach more people and to contribute to people inside of this church looking more and more like Jesus. I'll end with this. Jesus purchased his body. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're part because Jesus purchased you. He went, he died on your behalf. He got up out of the grave three days later on your behalf so that you could be brought in and made members of his body and his body is going to live forever which means that his body the church is going to live forever with him and he has now gifted his church with gifts to be on his mission so there's no spectating inside the church there's no accessoryism inside of the church here's your first made-up word of the morning there's no accessoryism inside of the church but we're the body that desires to keep growing there's there's no diets Inside of the church. We want to keep growing. There's no losing weight strategy inside of the church. We want to keep growing for the glory of King Jesus. Because he's worth it. He's worth it. As we say no to ourselves and yes to him. As we say no to my needs for the needs of others. We're showing and declaring he's worth it. Because it's not about you that I'm doing this primarily. It's for him. That I'm saying no to myself. And we're saying no to ourselves For him because he's worth it. So embrace Jesus. As the body, embrace him. And all of the complexities of being part of the church. All of the injuries that are going to happen being part of the body. And he has no plan B. There's there's no appendix in scripture where it's like, um, if this doesn't happen, go to the hidden book in the back. His plan is that his body is going to mature And be on mission so that all nations, tribes, tongues, peoples would know him. He is the only one who can truly change the world. And he invites you along. What a wild thing we're invited into. You are so beloved by Jesus. And you're invited to worship him this morning. You're invited to give up more of yourself. And if you've been a part of the church, and you've just been like sitting on the side as an accessory, make this morning the morning where you're like, that's all done. I'm in. If, If this morning you're here as a spectator seeing who Jesus is, let him break into your life and show you who he really is. Ask him, Jesus, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? Jesus, if you're legit, would you would you change me? Would you transform me? Jesus, if if what you did on the cross and the resurrection was really for me, would you speak to me this morning? And He will. Let me pray, and then we'll we'll respond. Jesus, thank you that you you weren't a spectator. You didn't sit on your throne in heaven watching all things go down in a major train wreck. You got off your throne. You came, you laid down your life so that we would know you. That we would be brought into the body. We get to be members of one another. We belong to this, this funky crew called the church. And it's true, we wouldn't have chosen probably many of the people. And that's the beauty because you did. And you've assembled us in such a way that you get glory and honor from it. We don't. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you that you can um, rem- You can move us from being an accessory or a spectator into being a part of the body this morning. And I pray for anyone who's here that's in that place that they would see what you did for them and that they would give their life to you. That they would say, Jesus, I need what you did on the cross for me and I need what you did in the resurrection. And would you change their hearts? I pray as a body that we would uh, fight for unity and for reconciliation and for harmony that we wouldn't fight with one another. That we, we would be battling together for the good of, of your name and your kingdom in the city. We pray that millions of people would become followers of you in this, in this city. We pray that you would take Montreal and move it from being the least reached city in the Western Hemisphere to the most reached city in the world. That this would become a sending place where so much good gospel work is happening. That we would be sending people to the nations. I pray that you would make us people of great generosity who would support these works. Who would support the sending out of people that we wouldn't be stingy and that we wouldn't have mindsets of poverty that we need to be uh, stingy with your resources. But rather we would be like those people who took the talents and the the resources that they were given and they invested it and they doubled what they were given. Would we, would you give us uh, the ability and opportunity by your spirit to double things? Would you, would you double the church? Would you cause for church plants to happen? Would you cause for churches that are dying to be brought back to life? Would you cause for, for people who have been sitting on the side to be brought back into the body and into the game? Mm-hmm. Only you can do that. Help our hearts to explode with worship this morning as well. Help us to be humble. Not false humility, but real humility. That, that we take a true inventory of who we are in light of who you are. Mm-hmm. We love you. We need you for everything. Amen.